0: This is SASTER's Founders Favorite series, where you can hear some of the best of the best from SASTER speakers. This is where the cloud meets. Bandwidth makes it easy to add enterprise grade voice calling, text messaging, and emergency calling to your platform all backed by the power of a fully owned and operated Tier 1 carrier network that gives you direct-to-carrier pricing with better quality, control, and insights that other API providers can't. See why the biggest brands in the world rely on bandwidth, and sign up for a free trial at bandwidth.com forward slash saster. Dell for Entrepreneurs is here to help your business scale faster through technology reach out to startups at Dell.com for a free IT consultation. From laptops, desktops, to servers and cloud, Dell Technologies is there for you. Up today, the three secrets of selling upmarket with the leaders of Stripe, DocuSign and Lever.
1: I'm Kelly Curto. I'm the Senior Director of Sales at Lever and I'm joined by three incredible sales leaders each with their own unique experience selling to the enterprise. So let's jump in, I wanna do some introductions. Tammy, we're gonna start with you. So give us a little bit of an idea of your role at DocuSign and then for fun, what was your very first sales job ever?
2: That's a good one, thanks Kelly. Um, My current role at DocuSign is actually overseeing an SMB commercial sales org. Prior to this, I was um, in a number of enterprise sales leadership roles. My first sales job, uh, I was a bank teller selling mortgage accounts to to folks that were coming in to deposit or take out cash from their bank accounts.
1: I love it. I'm sure a lot of people had that as a first sales job too. (laughs) Amazing. And Kate, what about you?
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Kate Jensen. I lead our platform sales organization at Stripe. So right now, that's the mid-market and the enterprise segment selling to SaaS platforms. That's companies who process payments for their customers using Stripe's infrastructure. My first sales job was actually pretty random. I sold large drills to gold and platinum mines in South Africa. It was very cool technology that I just couldn't pass up selling. <laughs> a little different from Stripe, but a little, a little less very sales. <laughs> infrastructure oriented. in a different way. Absolutely.
4: Okay, Lauren, to you. Hi, I'm Lauren Schwartz. I lead enterprise sales at 5Tran. And my first sales job was, I guess it was when I was a Girl Scout. So age six or seven. And uh, the reason I think it was a sales job is because we sold Girl Scout cookies. So for me, I think my first lesson in sales tactics or sales strategy was about encouraging long-term investment by pointing out that Girl Scout cookies do really well in the freezer.
1: That's a good upsell move. I like it. And (laughs) uh, just for the record, what's the most number of boxes you've ever sold?
4: 847. Very precise.
1: I love it. (laughs) Wonderful. So I'm really excited to talk to the three of you about this topic, which is Why move up market? What are we going to encounter as we start to build uh, and go into the enterprise? And I think as we were prepping for this, we realized how common this conversation is at so many different companies, uh, regardless of the stage or the size. And we also realized that as salespeople, we are often at the front lines of the feedback we're getting from the market, whether our marketing is resonating, whether our product is meeting a customer need. So I'm really hopeful today that the three of you can share some success tips, things that you figured out and could benefit the audience, and then also maybe we'll have some vulnerable moments of what didn't go well or common pitfalls that we can avoid. So let's jump right in here uh, with the very beginning. Tammy, I'm going to need you to define what upmarket means and if it's different for different companies.
2: Yes, um, and you sort of gave away the punchline already, Kelly, which is upmarket is not a precise definition by any means. It's going to mean different things to different companies. Um, for some companies, it might def- be defined as upper mid-market. For some, it's actually true enterprise and Fortune 200 companies. And for some companies, they might even um, be able to sell into what are so-called strategic companies. And I think really what's important in the beginning as a company is to be able to come together and be able to formulate what your ideal customer profile looks like. And so most recently uh, at Lever, what we did was we gathered a cross-functional leadership team together that consisted not just of sales, but also marketing, customer success, product, um, and a number of other uh, SEs even, and a number of other uh, functions within the company. And we decided to align on what our ideal ICP was going to look like. And again, that can also be measured a number of different ways. I think the most common scenario that I hear most companies doing is going to be by number of employees. I've also seen revenue be defined as the defining factor as well in defining what that means. But basically what this does is by coming together and defining what your upmarket looks like is it keeps your marketing team aligned with the sales team. So they're not out building campaigns and targeting the wrong audience. And while the product team is also out building a product that's not intended for who sales is actually selling to. So I think the, more, the most important thing here and the biggest takeaway is to come together to define what that ICP initially looks like.
1: So let's move on. We've built the foundation. We've committed that we're going up market. Let's talk about where we need to adapt. So uh, Lauren, often when you are adapting and you're making a move from SMB to enterprise, you're going to have to manage some competing priorities. Uh, how have you seen this go
4: well or how do you handle it? Yeah, I think, you know, when you get together with your friends in sales, a lot of stories and battle wounds are shared and something that you hear a lot over a glass of wine with other sales leaders is the unsettling shift in strategy and what can happen. So, you know, I've heard stories of CEO gets up in front of the company and says, we're going into the enterprise and everyone cheers and it's exciting. And then it's really actually quite hard and takes a long time. And so, you know, four to six months pass and suddenly it's like, actually, we're going to double down in commercial and SMB because we know that works. And that, you know, so you hear these stories all the time. I think it's it really what it comes down to is it requires a commitment. If you've decided that it's time to follow your customer pull or to make an investment in enterprise, it's a commitment for the long haul. And, and you don't necessarily see the payoff right away. The good news is a lot of things that I've seen, you know, invested in in the enterprise ends up end up being quite beneficial downstream Mm -hmm. so think about lexus lexus uh, helps toyota sell a lot of cars um, because they have great features they have great design and um, it creates a halo effect for the broader brand so as you're investing in more sort of custom higher end things for enterprise businesses, a lot of times you'll see that shift downstream. And you have to keep that in mind and keep everyone with a flexible mindset of you're not going to see, I mean, it's kind of back to the SMB versus enterprise salesperson, where if you're used to the immediate payoff, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with waiting for the longer term payoff. And you end up being a a spokesperson internally as a salesperson a lot, you know, evangelizing the future of enterprise and its benefits to the org, even if you don't see immediate returns. So that's how I've seen it done.
1: Yeah. And goes back to the point of you you have to be patient, but you also have to be looking for these small wins. If you're not seeing any, then, then maybe you need to go find a couple because it's going to be a, a long road. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And another area that often has to adapt is how support a larger customer. They have different needs than an SMB customer. So Kate, how have you seen customer success adapt uh, or what roles are really necessary for that?
3: There are so many ways that your org has to change to adapt for enterprise customers. One in particular you mentioned specifically is the customer success organization. I mentioned earlier that At Stripe, we've actually split our entire sales organization. That's not just AEs, but also our customer success org between platforms and direct. And that's really to align with what we think it takes to make a customer successful in the long term. Um, The conversations you have between platform customers and direct customers are just really different. And so what we want to do is hire specialized customer success folks work, especially in the enterprise, with one or two really strategic accounts to define what success means for them and to make sure that Stripe is lining up the resources that are necessary to make that happen.
1: And with that, I mean, is that there's new roles that are being created or are you taking the roles that you, you already have in a customer success or a sales org and just using those and adapting them?
3: So... In some ways, it's what Lauren called internal selling earlier, making sure that the product teams are aware of the feedback that customers have on our product, making sure that the support organization is answering questions with context for the account. But then in other ways, yes, it is actually new sales teams. And in particular, one that we've built recently at Stripe is the technical sales organization. So we have solutions architects who pair up closely with AEs to really map out the technical scope of what a sale will look like. We have a deployment team who actually makes sure that the deployment goes according to plan. And then over time, we have technical account managers who work with accounts over the long term to make sure that any big strategic technical questions they have are very well supported. And do they all meet and
1: work together? Are they working pretty independently?
3: (laughs) They have to work together. Yeah. I'm sure it's no surprise to hear that, and you'll hear me say this many times throughout this session, account planning is of the utmost importance. It's really important to just have one place where everyone in the company can go to look to see what's going on with a particular account, what the number one questions they have are, and where they're probably going to need extra support at any given time. Yeah,
1: I mean one thing that we talk about at Lever all the time is how much an enterprise sale is a team sale. Uh, sometimes in SMB, you can win a deal it's completely by yourself. It feels really good, but you just, you cannot do that when you're selling to a large company and and they don't want you to do that either. They want to meet other people at your company. Exactly.
4: Absolutely. Kelly, I think it's also worth noting that the sale isn't over when a customer signs. So for when you think about renewals and ongoing success, I think when you're the salesperson and you have this whole cast of brilliant people who are working in tandem with you as your broader team um, in post-sales and success in solutions engineering. One way of looking at it and how I've seen it done successfully is the salesperson's responsibility is to hold the broader team accountable. While it's not always the salesperson doing every single aspect of making a customer successful in the first year, you do get to be sort of the CEO of your franchise and make sure that you're holding folks accountable throughout such that when you come up on a renewal, You can't just expect that a customer wants to renew unless you've had critical checkpoints with them along the way, like Kate's talking about account plans, QBRs, the types of things where you say, hey, sales team and success team, were aligned on the value that this customer intends to get out of this investment and customer, you're aligned that you made this investment and therefore you are also driven to get this value. So let's make sure we're doing that so that there are no surprises. Um, when it comes to renewal. So that selling happens throughout the lifetime of a customer.
1: Lauren, do you ask in the sales process what their expectations are, or is that something that the customer success team does? I, I imagine you do it at both, but...
4: Well, I think in order to inspire a large enterprise to invest a significant amount in your product, you need to be in lockstep with them about the value that you're driving for them. So be very specific about the value drivers behind an investment. And then also very specific about how your company does it, how you do it better, right? And then proof points behind that of how you've done it before, such that you can truly lay out with a customer when they sign, this is the value we intend to bring to you. This is how we're going to do it. And that's when you're in lockstep with the customer success team, in laying out here is our path to actually enabling this customer and making them successful. And so it needs to happen and the conversation needs to be very clear and critical in order to earn the investment, but then it needs to, it can get lost in translation when you sort of, you know, toss it over the fence historically over to success. So there really can't be a fence. It just has to be an ongoing level of communication. And to Kate's point, the account plan can enable that.
2: It's a bridge, not a fence, right, Lauren? That's right.
4: No fences here.
2: One way that we actually
3: solve for the no-fence situation is actually in our compensation for AEs. Because, and this is especially true for the business model for Stripe, but I, I know that this works at other companies as well. We actually don't pay AEs on accounts. We don't allow them to retire quota until the company has gone live successfully and actually has has finished that deployment phase. So there, it's extra important to make sure that you're aligning on expectations with your customers up front, and then making sure those actually come true. Yes, uh, so many there's sales orgs where they do
1: have they do have a different role because that is you know customer success and account management can be a different skill set. Um, but I have seen organizations where the original account executive is in charge of the renewal, and they just they own that relationship and also some of the customer success that goes along with it. Different models just depends on what's the right thing for the company. Tammy, I'm going to turn it to you. Let's talk about marketing. How does marketing change and adapt as you move up market?
2: Yeah. um, Well, if, if you're a company that's been more traditionally focused on SMB, probably what your current state looks like is, you know, you have a lot of roles that are centered around lead generation, creating volume, demand gen type titles and roles or campaign manager. And a lot of the the go-to-market meetings between sales and marketing, those agendas are mostly going to be around lead routing, weekly, Mm -hmm. monthly, volume of leads, looking at effectiveness of certain campaigns that have been sent, channel effectiveness, whether blogs or emails or ads are working better. And a lot of the top of the funnel metrics that you're likely looking at together are going to be things like hand raisers versus non hand raisers mqls and how those convert in mqls marketing qualified leads how they convert into sal's sales accepted leads or sql sales qualified leads and as you go up market those agenda items and roles will start to change enterprise marketing requires a much higher touch and so think things like targeted account based marketing where you might need to touch Um, and reach out to multiple personas or buyers just within one account. Um, Some companies even choose to invest in marketing technology that helps to gauge intent and interest based on what folks are clicking on. And content, field, and product marketing functions are going to be key focus areas and maybe new hires that you might need to make or ask folks internally to be able to adapt and include those functions as well. And product marketing in particular um, should ideally be able to play some sort of dual role with with helping to enable your sales teams as well. Um, And what they can really provide is updated product messaging that's more aligned to an enterprise or upmarket audience. And that's going to be uh, what's going to help your sales team be able to adapt also as they as they shift.
1: And for marketing, um, I know in this, the sales process often, uh, I think Kate was talking about it when we were talking about the, pro- the product roadmap, oftentimes marketing needs to sell a vision. Can you talk a little bit about that or...
2: Well, um, marketing will always have to sell a vision. It'll be a different one this time. Um, And, you know, I think the the promise of something is always going to be really important. And if you've sort of made a brand or a name for yourself in the SMB market, you'll be up against a bit of a challenge in order to prove your enterprise credibility and be able to demonstrate that you can and are durable and sturdy within the enterprise space. That's what a lot of companies are going to be wanting to understand, things like roadmaps. Um, Kate alluded to this earlier and, and looking at product functionality and whether or not it's going to be able to adapt and scale for a larger company. The The other thing I'll also say about my prior comment around lead generation is that, you know, companies also have to be prepared for looking at metrics a really different way. The, the immense amount of leads that you were hopefully getting before from your SMB audience may not look the same to enterprise. If any, um, it might be a much slower trickle that you see on a week to or, week or even month to month basis. And what you're really looking for in those early days is getting quality quality of leads, things that actually will convert into some sort of buying cycle. They may not end up actually closing, but I think that will give you an early indicator of whether your marketing messaging is working in those early days.
1: Yeah, quality over quantity as you make that shift. Okay, well, that brings us to our third section. We have built this. We're starting to adapt. Tammy, you, you actually started talking a little bit about what we do with those leads. How do we build that pipeline? So I'm actually going to skip ahead a little bit. And, and ask, how do we build reliable pipeline? Do we go outbound? Kate, maybe you can talk to this a little bit.
3: Sure, I, I built Stripes outbound sales team about three years ago and, and managed it until about a year ago when I focused exclusively on what I'm doing now. And I'll, I'll say that uh, building outbound teams, this shouldn't be a surprise for the SMB or mid-market You work really closely with marketing. It's all about building a scaled, repeatable motion. in an enterprise, Tammy, exactly to what you said earlier, it's all about account-based marketing or account-based outbound. In actually setting up reliable outbound teams, a lot of companies think about it in terms of SDR to AE ratios. In the mid-market, you're thinking usually one SDR to about three to seven AEs. And in the enterprise, it's a lot closer to one-to-one ratio. So an enterprise A, E will sit down with their SDR and actually map out the accounts that they'd like to develop better relationships with. And not only just the accounts, but the people. And think about, like, why would someone want to talk to us? What do we think we could do to help them? And really develop that value sale pitch that Lauren was talking about earlier. If you're going to convince someone to engage in, in a full sales process where they're thinking about investing in your product, you need to be really compelling when you reach out. And I'll say that's, that's our number one goal in general at Stripe. I would be shocked if it was not everyone's outbound goal is to make sure that even if you are doing scaled messaging or if, if you're doing one-to-one enterprise messaging, anyone who opens one of your emails, watches one of your videos, opens a LinkedIn message, they should think that you wrote that email or message exactly for them. And they should think to themselves, wow, they read my mind. That's exactly what we were just talking about last week in our internal meetings. And so you just, you have to be really, really targeted and make sure, make sure that you're reaching out to the right people at the right time.
1: Yeah. And to Tammy's point on quality over quantity, is that the same with how much outreach you're having your SDR outbound team do?
3: Absolutely. Uh, Especially in the enterprise, we work off a named account list we have a list of accounts that we know we would be a great fit for, and, and we're working in a very targeted way there. And the same is true in the mid-market, but like I said, it's a little bit more scaled.
4: Mm-hmm. I yeah, think I that comes back to the, to the ICP uh, that, we were, that Tammy was talking about earlier, and when you're thinking about, you know, once you've identified within your core competencies, like what is it that you're trying, what problem are you trying to solve, who has this problem as their largest business problem that you can then attach to, and then, when you're moving from selling to like hundred-person companies to, you know, end goal aspirational twenty-thousand-person companies, right? You don't necessarily make that immediate jump right away, but you start to look at targeting early adopters or late-stage pre or post-IPO companies, or looking in, you know, tech companies that happen to be early adopters, that type of thing, as you're prioritizing in your outbound, um, so that you're not just shooting for the stars on day one and and lacking the opportunity to build up reference customers along the way
3: or even what small pieces of really big companies could you work with so that you can kind of get your foot into the door with an account and then build a better relationship over time Mm -hmm.
1: so kind of a land and expand you start with a small group and then you make your way into a bigger part of that account absolutely
4: Kate, that's been really effective in, in my last role. That was really effective, especially during um, COVID, as there are parts of large enterprise organizations who are dedicated to digital transformation. For example, when you know in retail, when people can't come to your store and you make a pivot in your corporate strategy around how can we grow revenue digitally, then a lot of times you'll identify these sort of digital innovation teams that end up being centralized across multiple business units that then are are much more likely to be early adopters than some of the older, slower-moving aspects of broader enterprises.
1: Yeah, creativity in COVID is so key. I've got uh, our SDR team right now that's prospecting into enterprise customers, and they're using different video outbound tools. Uh, And I will tell you, it's having such a better reception because in the sea of emails that any enterprise leader is getting, you know, something where someone's holding their name on a whiteboard, it, it's pretty revolutionary and they'll actually watch it. Perfect. Well, thank you for answering all these questions. Uh, let's let's take it away with what, what should you remember from this session? Tammy, can you kick us off?
2: Yes, absolutely. So um, I think takeaway number one, this should actually say define and differentiate why and who. Mm-hmm. Um, figure out, why it is that you're going upmarket, there's no wrong reason, but be able to understand what that is so that you can set a target accordingly and be able to align your teams around that. And same thing goes for who. Again, your upmarket audience is going to look different from the company across the street. So make sure that you take the time to align on that early. And if it needs to adapt, that's fine. But having at least some sort of predefined goal of who that looks like is going to help you.
4: And then once you've defined the the predefined goal of who it is, the the second takeaway from today, I think, is ruthlessly prioritizing and coordinating. So prioritizing can mean anything from your product roadmap to how you invest in your sales and support teams. Um, You're not just thinking about selling to the enterprise. You're thinking about building for the enterprise and what that means and what features they need in order to be successful at scale which is really what you need to be able to prioritize. Um, And that requires coordination across every department at your company, because unless the entire business is running in the same direction, it's gonna be challenging to, to commit to something that, especially when you're first starting to do it, you don't see payoffs necessarily right away.
3: And the third is to develop consistent and reliable practices. I think you've heard us again and again say things like develop account plans, coordinate and communicate. And it's really important to to use Lauren's analogy to teach people how to run and teach them what direction to run in so that you don't just win a few enterprise logos and then your business drops off so that you can continue to do it again and again, build a really robust business over time. Perfect.
1: These are three excellent takeaways for anyone that's that's making the move. It was wonderful speaking to the three of you. Thank you so much for all of this insight. And thank you for everyone who joined. We really enjoyed it.
0: Visit Dell.com forward slash for exclusive savings on Dell products and more information about the Dell for Entrepreneurs program. Everything from Dell Financial Services to Dell Rewards, Dell for Entrepreneurs wants to help your business run smarter through technology.